Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, we I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Andy. You know, last time I preached, who read scripture? Andy. Can't do it without him. And I can't do it without the Holy Spirit, so let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for just the gathering of the saints and a group of people who loves you and loves to sing praises to you and loves to give to you and loves to hear from your word. I pray that you help me this morning clearly communicate your word. I pray that I wouldn't get in the way of what you are communicating to us. Lord, thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Who do you follow? Maybe it's a group. Maybe it's a certain celebrity or person. Maybe you just follow yourself. We're all familiar with social media. Hopefully, no one's looking at it right now like Mark prayed. <laughs> but who do you follow on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter? Who is it that you subscribe to on YouTube? What books do you read? What podcasts do you listen to? What news do you watch? CNN, Fox News, The Daily Wire? Who pours into you? Who leads you or helps you along the way? As humans, we are prone to be followers. So ask yourself, who do I follow? In today's culture, we have a term that we call people who are followers. We hear all the time, those people are sheep. They just do whatever so-and-so says. It's funny how everyone else is always the sheep. <laughs> we use it as a put-down. Ah, they're, they're just the sheep. And being a sheep in today's culture, it's a bad thing. And you know, it really, it really can be a bad thing. Being a sheep can be terrible, depending on who your shepherd is. You don't want to be a sheep for a bad shepherd, and the world is full of them. This morning, we're in Psalm 23. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> I want to show you three realities of being a sheep for our great shepherd. I want to remind you about our good shepherd who provides, protects, and gives eternal life. So if you're not there already, turn with me to Psalm 23. <clears throat> we start this Psalm of David 
with an amazing phrase that we might just skim by because we hear it all the time. The Lord is my shepherd. We're all familiar with this psalm. But these words are an amazing truth for us believers. We can't overlook this. The Lord is my shepherd. Think about this. The infinite Lord of the universe is our shepherd. Now we could end and we can sing praises for the rest of the morning because of this amazing thought. And our great God uses the illustration of a shepherd to show us his great love and care for his people. David, the writer of this, he himself was a shepherd and he had many sheep. So he understands the needs of the sheep and he knows the cares, all the cares that go into being a shepherd. But even though he knows these things, David doesn't put himself in the place of the shepherd. Even though David was actually a shepherd, he doesn't identify with the shepherd here. Instead, he puts himself and us in the place of the sheep. Instead of the shepherd, we are the weak, defenseless, and foolish sheep. Now, I don't know if about you, but when you think of a sheep, do you think of a big, strong, scary, alpha animal? No. Does anyone think that? If anybody raises their hand, they're a sheep. <laughs> sheep are defenseless. They are prey to their predators. They're naturally nervous and they're easily frightened. Here in this psalm, it is God who takes the role of the shepherd. He is the provider. He is the preserver, the director, and everything. And he is not like the world. He is a good shepherd. He is the shepherd, and we are the sheep. The next thing about this short phrase that you need to know is that not just anyone can call themselves the Lord's sheep. Unless your nature has been renewed unless you've become a new creation, unless you've believed the gospel, you are not part of his flock. The Bible actually describes you as something different, and it is an animal. It describes unconverted people as goats and sometimes wolves. So not just anyone can call God their shepherd. But for those that can say he's their shepherd, he is your shepherd. David said the Lord is is my shepherd. There's a strong tone of confidence here. There's no if, there's no but, or even I hope so. He doesn't say, if the Lord is my shepherd, or I hope the Lord is my shepherd. Every other religion hopes that they can be right with God, and hopes that they'll be good enough, and maybe he'll be their shepherd. But those of us who have trusted in God through the hope of the gospel, and have become a new creation, we have gone from goats to sheep, and we can say with confidence, the Lord is my shepherd. And we must cultivate this spirit of assured dependence upon our heavenly father, our good shepherd. One of the sweetest words in this little phrase is that word, my. Yes, the Lord is a shepherd, but he is my shepherd. David does not say the Lord is the shepherd of the world, even though he is. He is sovereign over it all. David does not say he leads his flock, even though he does that too. He says the Lord is my shepherd. 
So if you're here this morning and you trust in Christ Jesus, he is your shepherd. He cares for you. He watches over you and he preserves you. The words here in the psalm are in the present tense. And they are forever in the present tense. Right now, if you are a believer, you are under the pastoral care of our amazing God. So that brings us to our first point. Because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. Number one, because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. There might be some things that I want in this life, but when the Lord is my shepherd, he is able to supply all my needs, and he is willing to do so. His heart is full of love for his sheep, and because of that, I shall not want. I will not lack in anything. Matthew 6.26 says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? If God feeds the birds, would he not, would he leave his own children to starve? If he feeds the birds, don't you think he's going to feed his sheep? I might not have everything I want, but when I know that my shepherd is good, and I know that he loves me, I shall not want. The wicked, they always want. A sinner's heart is far from satisfaction. And as humans, we look and we grasp at satisfaction. We live looking for it. King Solomon, David's son, he tells us that it cannot be found in his book, Ecclesiastes. He reminds us that there is nothing to be gained under the sun. Everything that we work for on this earth is ultimately not profitable to satisfy our souls. In Ecclesiastes, he says his thesis statement, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Solomon talks as a wise teacher who had everything. He had every resource available to him. He had all the political power one could ever need. He had every pleasure that you could ever fathom. And at the end of his life, he says, it is all vanity. He says, Hebel, Hebel, everything is Hebel. Hebel, the Hebrew word for breath or vapor. The merest of breaths, everything is like a breath. Solomon had everything. He spent his life wanting and actually getting. Some of us just want and want, and we don't actually get it. But Solomon had everything. And at the end of this life, he said, it's not worth it. It's, it's like chasing the wind. It's like trying to catch the smoke when you blow out a candle. Are you living trying to catch some smoke? Are you living trying to just accumulate things for yourself that you can't take with you after you die? So Solomon, he, he overlooks everything that he's accomplished. He's built all these palaces and gardens, and he has all these sermon, uh, servants and women. And he says at the end of Ecclesiastes, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty 
of man. At the end of the day, you won't be satisfied with anything other than this. Nothing fulfills man like fearing God and doing what he says. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. When the world offers me everything under the sun, when it offers you everything under the sun, I shall not want. My good shepherd knows my wants and he knows my needs. And so I shall not want. Not because I have money in the bank, not because I have everything that I could ever want here on this earth, not because I have this job that pays me so much, not because I'm married to this person, or because my kids are prodigies and they're amazing at their sport and they're going to go pro and they're going to help me retire. No. But because the Lord is my shepherd. Because I have Jesus. And when you have Christ, you have everything. He is better than anything you could ever want. And he is more essential to your soul than anything else you could ever need. Verse 2 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. We've all heard the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. Everybody's heard that, right? The grass is always greener on the other side. And the world wants you to believe that the grass is greener over there. The world wants you to think that they have it better. They want you to think that giving into your desires will be better. Do whatever you want. Do what feels right. Be your true self. They want you to believe that the grass is greener over there. But let me tell you, the grass is greener right here. Next to the Savior, under his loving care. Without Christ, your grass is dead. Their grass is dead. It's not even close to green. I don't, and I don't care what you do to that grass. You can paint it green. You can Photoshop it green like some realtors so they'll go see your house. But that grass is not green. And chasing your own desires always ends in disappointment. And oftentimes, hurt. There's no greener pasture than next to our shepherd, trusting him and his word. I always tell the young adults, God isn't trying to keep you from good things. That grass isn't green and God's just trying to keep you away from it. He isn't trying to keep you from enjoying your life. The problem is we want the wrong things. We like eating that dead grass, or at least trying. You can't eat dead grass. You get dirt in your mouth. (laughs) Life in Christ, life believing in Christ and trusting his word is the greenest pasture you'll ever live in. Feasting on his word and resting in him is the best food for your soul, just like how grass is natural nourishment for sheep. When by faith we are enabled by God to find rest in his promises and in his word, we are like the sheep that lie down in his pasture. And we find peace and rest and refreshment 
serenity, and satisfaction. But like sheep, we sure love to wander. We love to leave. And you know it's true. We sing it all the time. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Please take and seal it because if it's up to me, I'm going to leave. I'm wandering. We are all some wandering sheep. Notice what David says here. We aren't just laying down calm and content. He makes me lie down. It is our good shepherd who graciously makes us lie down and enables us to perceive the preciousness of his truth and to feed on it. How grateful should we be for the power to appreciate God's promises? How grateful should we, should we be that we get to sing these songs that we sing every week? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? Goats don't sing songs like that. Only sheep. Verse 3, he restores my soul. When the soul gets weary, our good shepherd revives it. When it is sinful, he sanctifies it. And when it is weak, he strengthens it. He does it. Are any of you low in grace? Do you feel your spirituality fading? The God who came down to live and die and raise from the dead can surely revive your soul. The God who knit your soul together and breathed life into it can surely restore you. So pray to your shepherd who loves you. Do you ever just pray for him to restore you? You want to know a way to 100% get all your prayers answered every single time? You always get what you ask for in prayer if you pray in accordance with God's will. Well, how do I know God's will? Read his word. Feast in his pasture. Don't you think he wants you to be restored and encouraged and trust in him? Pray to him and ask him. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Christian loves to be obedient. But it is an obedience out of love. The Christian is compelled by the example of our master. The Christian is not obedient to some commandments and neglectful to others. He does not pick and choose. He yields to all of them. Whatever God gives us to do, we should do it. Because we are motivated and led by his love. And remember this, this is important. All of this is done out of God's pure and free grace. He doesn't have to do it. And it is all for his name's sake. All of this is for the honor and glory of our great shepherd. That we be a holy people and that we would walk in this path of righteousness. If we are so led lovingly and guided by him, then we must not fail to adore our heavenly shepherd's care. Because the Lord is our shepherd and cares for us and knows our wants and needs, I shall not want. Number two, <clears throat> because the Lord is my shepherd, 
I will fear no evil. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I will fear no evil. There is a reason why this psalm is so famous. It is so rich with beautiful imagery and truths for us to dig up. He says in verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though he's going through the darkest of times, the darkest valley, what is he doing? He's just walking. And to walk indicates the steady advancement of a soul that knows its road, and he knows where it ends. And he is resolved to follow the path. And he feels safe. And therefore, he is perfectly calm and composed. He's just walking. Even when death is looming over the Christian, we actually know there's light at the end of the tunnel. And we go through that dark tunnel of death, and we emerge into the light of immortality. As Christians, we do not die. We simply go to sleep, and we wake up in glory. Death is not the house, but the porch. It is not the end. It is just the passage to our true home. Samuel Rutherford said, Our little time of suffering is not worthy of our first night's welcome home to heaven. Our little time of suffering is not worthy of our first night's welcome home to heaven. Even though all these things are happening, even though I may be going through this valley, even though I may have enemies, I will fear no evil. Why? Why is he just strolling through this valley of death? Is it because he's a big, big bad sheep? No. He says, for you are with me. He's not, af he's not afraid because of who is with him. All of these hard times and shadows and enemies are nothing compared to the good shepherd who is with us. David fought Goliath. Goliath would kill all of us. The Israelites were afraid. And everyone teaches how we're David and we're going to slay the giants of our lives. That's not true. Sometimes the giants win. If Goliath walked in here right now, I don't think anyone would want to fight him. We'd be scared. Now, who does that make us in the story? We're the Israelites. <laughs> Just like we forget our good shepherd cares for us and we want other things, when trouble comes our way, we get scared. We forget who's with us. And so we must remember the good shepherd. We must remember who's with us. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Did you notice that he doesn't say, I will fear nothing? He doesn't say that. He only says evil. Why do you think that is? Because there is something we should fear. It's the shepherd. It's God that we should fear. Who's the one that let Goliath grow to be that big? 
Who's the one that let Goliath breathe up until that day? Who created the universe with a word? Who's the one who holds the oceans in their place? Who gives the orders to the sun where to rise and where to set in the evening? Who's the one who flooded the earth to wipe out the evildoers? Who's the one who conquered our biggest enemy, sin and death? It is our God. It is our good shepherd. And so I will fear no evil. I won't even fear the evil one himself. I won't even fear the devil. I will look at him just as he is, a conquered foe, an enemy to be destroyed. The devil can't do anything God won't allow him to. He had to ask God for permission to mess with Job. And this isn't the way that Hollywood shows off God and Satan. God and Satan aren't in this big battle, Batman versus Superman, Godzilla versus King Kong, big bad guy versus big good guy. No. God is in total control, and it's not even close. We often picture God in heaven and Satan in hell, ruling over hell with a pitchfork. But that's not reality. That's not the Bible. Just like the wicked are going to be met with judgment, Revelation 20 tells us that God throws Satan into the lake of fire too. Just like everyone else who hasn't put their trust in Christ. So because he is my shepherd, because God is my shepherd, I will fear no evil. A little child who's at sea in a storm is not afraid like the other passengers in a boat. The baby is asleep in its mother's arms. And it is enough for that baby that his mother's holding him. And it should be enough for the believer to know that Christ is with him. One day when Jesus and his disciples were out at sea, a huge storm came. And what were the disciples doing? Freaking out. And where was Jesus? Asleep. You know, if they realized or remembered who was with them, maybe they would have been asleep too. But they went and woke him up saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. And Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the, the winds and the sea and the storm stopped. And the disciples marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the seas obey him? What sort of man is this? He is our good shepherd. Your rod and your staff, it says, they comfort me. The rod and the staff are what God uses to govern, rule, and keep his flock. He protects us from harm, and David knows all about that. He fought off animals to protect his sheep. God protects us as well, and a lot of times, it's from ourselves. God uses hardship and affliction as a means of grace, as a means of discipline, to train his children, to help them mature in their spiritual lives. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6 says, My son, do not 
regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. We must realize here that the rod and the staff, they comfort the sheep. And there's a huge difference between God's judgment and his discipline. As Christians, we often, we do suffer painful consequences for our sin. But take comfort in the fact that we will never experience God's judgment for them. Even though we deserve God's judgment, we deserve his punishment, we will never have to face it if we are in Christ, because our good shepherd has already endured it for us. And neither God's love or his justice would ever allow him to require payment for that which the son already paid for in full. So in discipline, God is not a judge, but a father. Most of you know our little girl named Quinn. And we, hear, we would hear it all the time, past tense, less now. Wow, Quinn is such an amazing baby. She never cries. You guys are so lucky. She's so good. Well, she's getting older. <laughs> and she's getting smarter. And she's starting to know what she likes. And that sin nature is starting to show itself more and more. So when you tell her to do something that she doesn't want to do or doesn't like to do, she's not always that little easygoing baby anymore. And if I'm a loving father, I will discipline her like the Lord does to us. If I'm a good shepherd in my home, I will give her age-appropriate spankings like our God does to us. Would God be a good shepherd if he let us go off on our own to do our own thing? No. It's loving for God to not give us everything that we want. We don't want God to make all our dreams come true. We don't want that Disney theology. Because a lot of times our dreams are really nightmares. And our good shepherd knows that. And out of love, he helps us stay away from those things with a nice little rod and staff. As we move forward, we see a peace here that is radical. We see peace even in the presence of his enemies. And how encouraging is this calm bravery? In verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When a soldier is in the presence of his enemies... I wasn't a soldier, but I can guess, like, if he eats at all, I'm sure he eats on the run, eats in a hurry, so that he can survive and keep fighting. But look here. God prepares a table. Nothing is hurried. There's no confusion. There's no stress or disturbance. The enemy is at the door, and yet God prepares a table. And the Christian sits down and eats as if everything was in its perfect place. Because it is. Nothing happens outside of God's decree, outside of his will. He is sovereign. 
meaning that he is in complete control over everything. As the great R.C. Sproul said, there are no maverick molecules. All of history, the plan, the design, even sin and the devil, it is all part of the master plan of God. There's no plan B or C. There is only the immutable plan A of God from eternity past. And in his infinite wisdom, he has planned it all. He is the one who has ushered everything along from one generation to the next. He's the one who raises up kings and lowers others. He's the one who sets boundaries on the nations. There's no such thing as good luck or bad luck. There's no such thing as karma. There's no accidents. Things don't just happen. I don't care if the stars are aligned. You can read your horoscope if you want. Read something else. (laughs) Nothing is an accident. He picked the time and place of your birth. He picked your parents, your city, your gender, your temperament, your IQ, where you would live, your neighbors, and even our enemies. So when they're around, let's eat. Let's eat. Because they can't place one finger on us without our shepherd's consent. The peace God gives his people is incredible. Even in the middle of the craziest circumstances and trouble. He says next that you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And 1 Peter 2.9 says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Every Christian is a priest. But he cannot execute the priestly office without being anointed. And because of that, we must go day by day to God so that we may have our heads anointed with oil. Go to him daily for grace. A priest without oil missed the chief qualification for his office. And the Christian isn't ready for service when he is devoid of new grace from God every day. And when it comes to this grace, we not only have enough, we, not only, we don't have just a cup full. He says, my cup runneth over. A poor woman, Spurgeon said, a poor woman as she broke a piece of bread and filled a glass with cold water said, what, all this and Jesus Christ too? Contentment is like the philosopher's stone that, touch it, that turns everything that it touches into gold, the one who is, in content, is content will find happiness. Contentment is worth more than the entire kingdom. So because the Lord is my shepherd, no matter what I'm going through, no matter who's around, I know he protects me and guides me and preserves me with more grace than my little cup can ever handle. And so I will fear no evil. Number three, because the Lord is my shepherd, I will live with him forever. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I will live with him forever. Verse six says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. This is a fact as undeniable as it is encouraging. These two are like twin guardian angels that will always be with us every day of our new creation sheep life. Goodness and mercy follow him always, all the days of his life. The dark days and the bright days, the days of little and the days of much. The cold days of winter and the bright, beautiful, super hot days in Bakersfield of summer. Goodness supplies our needs and mercy blots out our sins. God gives me grace for today and sees Christ's finished work on the cross when he looks at me. And so while I'm here on this earth, I am a child of God. And when I ascend into heaven, I will be with my good shepherd face to face forever. Now in closing, you should know that the position of this psalm should not go unnoticed. It comes right after the 22nd psalm which is particularly the psalm of the cross. There are no green pastures. There are no still waters without the 22nd psalm. There's no Psalm 23 without Psalm 22. It is only after we have read, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, that we can come to, The Lord is my shepherd. It is only because Jesus took the wrath of God for us on the cross that we can now call God Father, or our shepherd. Jesus said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Do you know of another shepherd that would do such a thing? Do you know of another God that would do something like this? The Mormon God, Allah, Buddha, name one. What God dies for people that hate him? What story or movie have you ever read or watched where the hero dies for the villain? Only the God of the Bible. Only the one true God. And this God is our shepherd. And so I shall not want. And I will fear no evil. And I will live with him forever. Crossway, we need to hold tight to this psalm. And we need to hold it close for the times that we are in those valleys. And even when we're on the mountaintops. We must remember our shepherd. We must remember that it is he who provides, protects, and gives us eternal life. It is all from him and for him. We're just the little sheep who get the benefit. If there's anyone here this morning and they don't know this good shepherd, I pray today is the day that you would stop wandering. Stop putting your trust in other things, other shepherds. Life is full of valleys. I'm sure you've experienced many. Aren't you tired of being alone in the dark?
Aren't you tired of chasing after things that won't last? Trying to grasp at smoke? Aren't you tired of trusting other shepherds with your soul? Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the suffering servant, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. If you haven't come to Christ, you're still astray. And Ephesians 2 says you're dead in your sin and you're following the prince of the power of the air, the devil. If you haven't put your trust in Christ, who does that make your shepherd? Satan. So stop wandering. Come be with the God who came to us, wrapped himself in human flesh to live and die and resurrect for those who would believe. Who do you follow? Who are you a sheep to? Who is your shepherd? I hope it's Jesus. I hope it's this good shepherd. He's a great shepherd, and it's not even close. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for, your, for having Bibles, your very word. Thank you for condescending to us and communicating with us when you didn't have to. Lord, thank you for sending your son to live the perfect life that we couldn't and to die the death that we deserve and rose from the grave so that if we repent and put our trust in you, we can have eternal life, and we can know you and call you Father and our good shepherd. Lord, I pray that you be with us, and you help us to not wander off. Help us to remember all that you are and all that you do for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this morning that we get to worship you. We pray for the rest of our day and evening service. We pray that this Lord's day would be pleasing to you and we would glorify you with all of our conversations and all that we do. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.